The Stage Door Show. Celebrating the independent artist. With your host, Dave Hondell. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Stage Door Show tonight. I'm Dave Hondell. I am beyond honored to have tonight's guest. She's a multi-award-winning legend in the entertainment industry and a true pop culture icon. It's my pleasure to introduce Tony Basil to the show. Thank you so much for joining me, Tony. Hi, Dave, and thanks for such a wonderful intro. <laughs> well, you definitely deserve it. Very excited to be on iHeartRadio. I love the name of your show, Stage Door. My daughter... And my son are both actors. And, you know, so we, we go through a lot of stage doors when they are performing. So I'm like, you know, that would be a great name for a show. And I thought, you know, the stage door could be anything. You know, musicians go through stage doors, actors go through stage doors, writers, and so on and so on, and TV personalities. So I thought it would be a good, appropriate name. Yes. And it's so important when that stage manager opens that door for you and you're not one of those young kids that are standing outside the stage door holding autograph books and little pictures and to sign and stuff like that. No, it's, uh, it's magical to walk through that stage door. Um, you know, I, I remember it so well from 1947 to 1957, my dad was the orchestra leader at the Chicago theater in Chicago. And we visited my dad every weekend for those 10 years and i stood on the side of the stage watching every act known imaginable from sinatra to josephine baker to nat king cole and of course all those fabulous opening acts that were like jugglers and tap dancers and actually my mother's side of the family they were a vaudevillian act called billy wells and the four phase so Several times a year, they would play the Chicago Theater, and I would see my family and my father all on the stage at the same time. So it was really, it was such a gift for me, you know, to to have that kind of upbringing. There, you 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 can't you can't buy that at Juilliard. Sorry, there you go. Yeah, you know, and also your 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 mother's family also um, uh, performed on the Ed, Ed Sullivan Show, right? They did, and they performed, Billy Wells and the Four Faiths performed in 1962, as well as in 1964 when the Beatles premiered on that show. And actually, a little trivia is Davy Jones, which was eventually, of course, people know him as the Monkees, he won a Tony Award for a Broadway show called Oliver when he was a little kid, and he performed that day also on that same show, and uh, I did a musical number with Davey when I choreographed the Monkees film called Head. We did a song together called Daddy's Song. So that 1964 performance of my, my aunts, um, I turned out I knew everyone on that show eventually because I did meet the Beatles. I did know the Beatles, too. So, yes. And I blessed. <laughs> I mean, I, sometimes I tell these stories and... I just, I can't believe them. They're just so fabulous. 
But, you know, Tony, when did you know that you wanted to continue in those footsteps? You know, I know that, I mean, you know, the the, the acrobatic comedian uh, act that your, your mother's family had, but your side, their, her side had, but also your father's orchestra side. So you had music and you also had, uh, you know, dancing and acrobatics. So, I mean, at what point did you know that this is what's going to be your, your calling in life? Well, I don't, I think it was from the get-go. I mean, I stood on the side of the stage and... Uh, you know, you, you, you go into your parents, uh, you know, their business and their business was show business. And I just knew so much about it and I loved it. And I mean, how can you not love all of that wonderful music and dance? And uh, it's like an aphrodisiac, you know? So I was always going to ballet class. My mom would take me to ballet class every day. I think I've been to ballet class and dance every day of my life. And still to this day, I go into my studio and I dance. I will dance at, I will dance mm-hmm. later on tonight. Right. Well, I mean, the other thing is, you know, talking about dance, you know, I think that a lot of listeners, maybe some of our, our younger listeners might not know this, but are definitely our older listeners might, but you, you, did, you did extensive work in some of the most iconic 60 films there, there were, like Viva Las Vegas and Pajama Party. Talk about that experience, because that, to me, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that was kind of when I graduated high school, came to L.A., and, boy, I started to work immediately because, you know, I was always part of, you know, I was always a cheerleader, and cheerleaders, and I was always loved as a child, social dancing. And when I came to LA, all of a sudden it was the sixties and it was the go-go era, you know, the pony, the jerk, the twist, all of those dances. And they were club dances and the dancers that were working in television and movies at the time were jazz dancers. They were older dancers. So I, I plus, my mentor, David Winters, who was a phenomenal dancer, actor, starred in West Side Story. Um, We were part of a scene that we were dancers that were club dancers, but were heavily trained. And that made a difference because a lot of the dancers that were, the older dancers that were in those American musicals, they weren't going to clubs. They weren't doing the twist. They weren't doing the pony, but we were. So we, we fell into this, this, this pocket, uh, and man, there was about 15 to 20 of us that danced in every, you know, like television show like Shindig and Hullabaloo and the Tammy show and did all the movies. I mean, there was about 15 or 20 of us that just worked, worked, worked all the time. And that's how I became a, a, a choreographer because I assisted David Winters in all these iconic film. Yeah, just amazing. Just very versatile as well. And you also appeared in uh, Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, and the last movie, which was directed by Dennis Hopper. I mean, do you feel that that versatility as an artist can be attributed to your entertainment upbringing? I I think so, because between standing on the side of the stage and seeing these live acts, it was during the time of what they called stage shows, where there was a stage show and then a movie. So I saw all the American movies also, and I saw all those great musicals. And I think that I always thought show business was everything. There was acting, there was singing, there was dancing, there was 
you know, putting the show together, figuring out the costumes. I mean, that's what I was brought up with, a kind of full-service bank, so to speak. So, um, yes, I, I, I know that, that the early upbringing was so, so important. I just, you know, I came loaded, so to speak, with information that I just, you, you just can't get in even, as I said, four years at Juilliard. You just can't. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. You know, and that, that brings me, speaking of dance, I want to continue on, on the choreography because you formed in the 70s, early 70s, uh, the groundbreaking group, The Lockers, with Don, uh, Don Campbell. Uh, and it, it really pioneered dance as we know it today, and it, it broke, broke down a lot of barriers. And, you know, I want all of our listeners to know that you throughout your career have been an iconic pioneer in dance and really were one of the main reasons dance is the art form that it is today. And, you know, talk about The, the Lockers, because, you know, that group, uh, you know, I spent so many so, so much time watching your uh, amazing dance dance on like Soul Train and the other shows and, you know, with the lockers. And it's just an amazing thing because that's really when uh, that pioneered that whole dance and the whole street uh, dance craze started when you when you formed that group, right? Yes. Um, you know, Don created a dance called the Campbell Lock. And it, it, it had a lot of stuff going for it. Um, it had power moves. It, it had... Uh, interesting connection with an audience. Uh, it, it wasn't really a social dance. We would go to clubs. We would boy, girl, partner would dance. We would dance together. And then as the club cleared out and there was room on the dance floor, then everybody started to do the Campbell Walk, which was a big theatrical dance. It wasn't a dance that you would necessarily face your partner with. And um, eventually, uh, he had a song called The Campbell Lock, and we tried to promote it, and it kind of ran its course. Uh, but then with the people that I had tried to promote it with, which was, interestingly enough, Dick Clark people, um, they called me up one day and said, do you remember that guy, Don Campbell? Are there more of him? We, 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 wanna, we want something interesting for the Roberta Flack special. And she had a big song called Killing Me Softly. And it was a huge crossover hit. It was just R&B hit, pop hit, everything. And uh, so I thought, ooh, maybe if we put together some dancers for this show, um, we can do a spinoff and it can be a group. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, the television audience really didn't know what hit them. Uh, we were so unique. And guess what? We were absolutely like a vaudevillian act. We, uh, it was the, the whole premise of from my history and my childhood, I, I was able to, you know, kind of present us in, in a format that I had seen so much before, like the opening acts at the Chicago Theater. And so th that's, 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 that's how it happened. And I think all the kids out there that were great, what, what are now called street dancers, whether it's popping or locking or hip-hop or house or breaking, I think what was always considered kid stuff and a social dance, whatever the era, all of a sudden kids started to think, wow, maybe I can earn a living at my art. And that's exactly what happened. Then, then Boogaloo Sam formed the Electric Boogaloo's. 
which was during the popping era, and group after group after group. I mean, we really, really opened up the door. We opened up to door the door. Did you ever imagine that you know to 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 this day that that uh, street dance would be as popular as it is? And like you said, you you were there from the beginning of it. But did you did you realize that it would be like that now? I think we were flying by the seat of our pants. So. Like when you're doing a movie or when you're putting together a music video, you really don't think of the the station, the train station that it will all arrive at. It's the train ride and getting it together. Um, you don't think of the ending. You know, uh, there was nothing like us, and we were, wow, we were working all the time. So I don't, I don't think so. And I don't think it was till, you know, really – hip-hop and music videos when hip-hop dancers were, you know, dancing in videos behind, uh, you know, rappers, uh, did I really realize how much we opened the door? I mean, you know, we were on Saturday Night Live, uh, mid, uh, Midnight Special. We, you know what, we were just what Cheech and Chong did. Cheech and Chong became a comedic act that would open up and be on these pop culture shows where comics had never been, you know, on a show with a, a Billy Preston or the Beatles. And we were the dance act that was able to break that barrier. I, 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 I think now, now in retrospect, who go, whoa, holy smoke, look what happened. Look what happened. And dance, I mean, obviously is in your blood because you still dance to the, to this day. And, you know, you dance, you, you told me almost every night or every night. I mean, that to me, that's amazing. And the, the, you're telling a story basically with your, with your movement and your body. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, to be able to do that and do it effectively, I think there's no better art form, as far as I'm concerned, to, to be able to tell a story uh, through dance. And, you know, it's just a very powerful medium, I, I believe. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, you, you saw that in the American musicals and the, 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 the numbers that Gene Kelly did, like for American in Paris. And you saw West Side Story where the dancers were telling the story. Um, but it's a short-lived life, let me tell you, because the physicality is like a sportsman, you know? Uh, it, it, it doesn't have the longevity of a singer uh, or even a comic or even an actor. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough life because you can't really, like if you're a singer, you can, you can go into the shower and sing. You can't go in the shower and dance. You've got to find a space and the floor has got to be right and you've got to find the right shoes for the floor. And wow. So you know, you need to be able to parlay it into being a choreographer and or both a choreographer and a director, which was what happened with uh, with a Bob Fosse who danced in his early years and then became a choreographer and then became a director. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just amazing to me that the, the longevity with, that, that your career has had with dance and choreography is just amazing to me. And, you know, which kind of brings me to, to this next topic here is you, you've choreographed some major major tours and shows and concerts for some iconic uh you know legends like yourself like uh, david bowie and bet midler tina turner david byrne i mean some of those shows that you've choreographed for them uh, you know obviously you've you've become very close to them but do you have any memorable stories i guess from uh from your time doing that well i have so many memorable stories uh that 
I tell you something, the, the, what they all have in common is the work ethic. They, the work ethic of these people that you mentioned, they all get to their art a different way. They all approach things, you know, coming from a different place. But the work ethic and the amount of work that they put in from pre-production uh, to the creation of the show and the development and the rehearsal and then the tour, I mean, wow, uh, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. And that is something all of them have in common, is a work ethic. And, and Mick Jagger, all of them, all of them have a work ethic that is unstoppable. And you have to. You just have to. You know, it's not just the stage shows, but you also recently, well, last year, choreographed the Quentin Tarantino Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, movie. And, and so choreographing a film versus like a stage show, you know, how does that differ? And uh, what was that experience like? Because I think you made a, a cameo on that as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, well, it does differ um, because your... Um, you you approach it in a different way. You're also reading a script that somebody else has written that the choreography has to be appropriate to the script. And some working for somebody like Quentin Tarantino, who writes chore writes and directs and produces his own uh, his own pieces, um, he has the flexibility to change his mind to decide to have a dance number go a different direction or, hey, Tony, I've got an idea. What if? And this is like, you know, in a night shoot, four in the morning. Could you do this and that? And uh, it, it's just, you know, a lot of freestyling um, with, with a Quentin Tarantino and, of course, with the cast that he has uh, and the, the actors that he works with. Oh, my gosh. It was a dream, dream job, a dream job. It was so fantastic. And what was so much fun is, you know, the movie takes place at the end of the 60s. And so I got to jump right back to my early days of all those 60s television shows and movies that I choreographed. So I was, I was suited for that job. I was well suited for that job. Now, I think I read also that, that you were surprised that Tarantino actually uh, knew a lot of uh, about the dances in the 60s and knew a lot about that era. So talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, the, the legend of, of Tarantino is that he's got a photographic memory. And believe me, he does. I, I remember sitting in the trailer and uh, when, when we were in pre-production and we were talking about, because we were kind of reenacting uh, for Leonardo, a scene of, for, out of Hullabaloo, which was uh, a TV show that had all sorts of, you know, pop, pop performers on and dancers from the like mid 60s to late 60s. And we were talking about uh, Michael Landon performing because they would have an actor host the show, a different kind of actor that was an iconic actor from a TV show, uh, a different one every week. And I said, oh, you know, um, Michael Landon actually did the Freddy. And Quentin, and he said, the Freddy. And then he did the Freddy. And I, you know, and I looked at the, <laughs> the other producers and I thought, yeah, Tony, you're lucky you know your stuff on this one because Quentin, sure, you, you can't squeeze anything by this guy. Oh, he was <laughs> just, it was just spectacular to work with these people. Oh, oh. 
my gosh. Yeah, I, I can imagine uh, what what a pleasure that would have been. And, you know, the single Mickey, uh, you know, was installed in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as one of the groundbreaking singles of the 80s. And it, it literally topped every major chart worldwide. And, you know, the one thing I found interesting, and you and I talked on the phone about this the other day, but, you know, you created the video, uh, that video before M MTV even existed. And you you edited it, you shot, you cast, everything was, 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 uh, all done by you. And I believe you even edited the, uh, the video in, in a hotel room, <laughs> you know, so talk about that. Cause I thought that was, that was amazing to me. What a great story. Yes. Well, I, it was in a way very lucky. I was asked, uh, to record for this European company and they in England were using promo video of songs not an MTV situation, just promo videos of songs on shows. And so they asked me to do some video promos uh, for the first three songs that I recorded, which were all Devo songs because I was very close friends with, with, the, with the Devo guys. And they left me totally alone. I mean, they, you know, the, the company was in Europe. They just sent me the money and just let me put it together. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, wow. and they loved what I did. And then they sent me more money uh, to finish up an album and to finish up uh, some more videos. And, and it was those videos that, the, that Mickey was part of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was shooting um, more than one video in a day. Actually, because I was doing everything on a white psych or a black psych. That's for your audience, the background. And I wasn't like changing locations that you see so much now. That is time consuming, packing up, you know, all the equipment and changing, you know, to another location. Everything was on the same psych. So uh, I was able to shoot more than one video in a day. And um, I was able to deliver. I just had all these ideas because... I had been doing some live shows at the time. I had um, uh, left the lockers. I started to sing uh, and put on shows. So I had kind of all these creative ideas from these shows I had been doing. So I, I you know, once again, it was like um, it was it was it was a it was time consuming. It was, but I was prepared. I was prepared right. for this. And the BBC saw these promotional videos and asked me, as an American girl, to do a half-hour special. And that special in Britain was what really kicked off uh, my singing career. Previous to that, they were promoting another song called Nobody, which had a fabulous video. But also on my BBC special, I did Mickey. Now, I didn't do, we didn't run the video with the cheerleaders. I did Mickey with Shabadoo from the lockers and this other pu crazy punk dancer called Spaz Attack, who uh, was in a lot of Devo videos, and um, a punk band behind me. And, but the song kicked off. It was huge. It became, it became a, a, a big hit within six weeks of that airing. And then the Australian company picked it up. And then I got an American deal. Then, so that American deal, and by then in 82, MTV had already been started. I think they started at the end of 81, uh, the September of 81. And um, once again, I was prepared. I had a song and I had a video. 
that could go on MTV. So being a little bit of ahead of the time to prepare and get it together and then all of a sudden be able to deliver. And that's what was kind of magical about it is, yeah, I was shooting that video, Mickey, in 1980, and it was a big hit on MTV in 82. And the song didn't get old. And the song still isn't old. It's kind of an anthem. It's definitely an anthem. I still love that song. I actually re-recorded on uh, on all streaming platforms. You can download Hey Mickey, uh, which is a, a fresh... It's not a new version of it because it's a, it's a sound-alike. It sounds exactly like the original. I used actually a couple of the original cheerleaders that we used on the original record and a couple of Bette Midler's Harlettes to do the chant and uh, uh so you can and it's it's a fresh it's just you can hear it better it's better quality it's it's a better quality track and i also re-recorded shopping a to z which was really a fun video as well as a fun song also so yeah you can you can go see those i want to i want to tell our listeners and this is something that that i learned by uh, doing some research, but that outfit, the cheerleader outfit, is is your original cheerleader outfit from your high school cheerleading days. Am I am I correct in that? Las Vegas High. I was head cheerleader after 1957, and stage shows were closing down all over the United States. Um, Dad uh, moved. We moved to Vegas, where he became the orchestra leader at the Sahara Hotel, and that's where I went to high school. Was in Las Vegas. So, yeah, that's uh, LVHS is uh, right on my letter sweater. And you can see the video on my YouTube channel, Tony Basil's House, uh, with actually my new master smack in it. It, it. it fits like a glove. And you can't tell the difference. Um, but it sounds great. And, yeah, it's all there on my channel. I think I have over 100 videos on that channel. Yeah, I mean, I, I had such a great time uh, looking at the videos, and I still continue to look at them. And you know, so all of our art, art artists out there, you know, I, I first of all, it's a pleasure to have you on, Tony, because from your vast experience, you know, we have a lot of independent artists that listen to our show, and it's really our, our platform is really to um, celebrate those indie artists out there. And you know, what I'd like to do with my guests is to ask them to give some words of inspiration, you know, because I know a lot of times indie artists at times, you know, it's a difficult uh, road and, you know, the, sometimes you want to give up. But, you know, I always I always implore my my artist listeners to keep going, keep going, keep going, because eventually you're going to get there. You just got to put in the work ethic like you're talking about. But what kind of inspiration can you give our our listeners? Well, you, you have to you have to be a constant student. You have to have a great work ethic, all like from David Bowie to Tina to Bette. We did so much research for all of those shows. Um, you know, you try to learn as much history about your art form uh, that you can, and you have to yet stay present. You have to look into the future and also see what is happening out there in those little nooks and crannies. Um, I think that's you know, just so important. You know, I mean, the fact that I ended up doing Quentin's film and it took place in the 60s, I mean, all of a sudden, from, you know, uh, from my, my history of the 60s, I was, I was working in, uh, you know, in, in the years 2000. What can I, you know, what can I say? Uh, and I, I parlayed, that, parlayed that into, I did a webinar 
this last summer, which I'm going to rerun again. Um, and it was uh, five weeks uh, each weekend of the dance, the, so the, the, the songs and the dance crazes of the 60s. And I had great guests on it. I actually had one of the original iquettes uh, for Tina Turner. I did one show that was a complete salute to Tina Turner. Uh, because what people don't realize is Tina's iquettes uh, were choreographed by Tina Turner. And uh, wow, you know, there you go. So I'm going to rerun that series on um, Zoom uh, within the next month. Actually, you know, Everything that I do, I usually uh, post on TonyBasil.net, so you can always go to that to see what is happening. But I, I do have, you know, the Lockers Facebook, an official Tony Basil Facebook, uh, personal Facebook, uh, Instagram, tweet. Uh, I think my tweet is Tony underscore Basil, and uh, the Instagram is at official Tony Basil, and my YouTube channel. I'm always posting everything up on, on, on my YouTube channel. And I have merchandise. I have T-shirts from every era, T-shirts from all sorts of different, you know, my, my different uh, decades. And that's on, you can find that on TonyBasil.net also. It's Tony Basil, I think it's Tony Basil merch. But you can go to my, once again, uh, TonyBasil.net and uh, find the merchandise. So, and you can hear Hey well, Nikki and Shopping A to Z on all streaming platforms. What else can I say? Everybody needs to go on on these social media sites. And like I said, the, the YouTube site, Tony Basil's House, is just, you can spend hours looking at those great videos uh, that you created. And, and TonyBasil.net, again, you know, for the merchandise. And, uh, you know, I just, I can't thank you enough, Tony, for, for spending time with me tonight on my show. And uh, it's been a real honor. And, you know, hopefully uh, we can have you back at some point too. Absolutely. I mean, Look, maybe when I, you know, uh, launch the uh, webinars again, we can we can touch base and, uh, you know, whatever, anything else, uh, something always comes along. Out of nowhere, Quentin Tarantino knocks on your door and you go, wow, holy smoke, I'm off again. You know, so there you go. Well, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's that's my whole, that's my, my, my mantra is that you never know. You never know what's going to, tomorrow's going to bring and it could be something that uh, changes your life. So, um, but thank thank you so much again. Oh, thank you, yeah. Dave. You know, I, I love your show, love iHeartRadio. I'm so glad to be, you know, on it and part of it. Thank you so much, Tony. And thank you to all of our listeners for taking the time to join us on the Stage Door Show tonight. Good night.